WBSN presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening, welcome to Spooky South Coast. Another Red Sox game keeps us a little bit late, but that's fine, because we are here to talk about the paranormal with you uh, for as long as the station will keep the power going for us. Of course, I'm Tim Weisberg. Behind the controls is the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Matt, we actually got the first silent assassin t-shirt design in a little bit earlier from one of our listeners, so uh, I'll have to show that to you later on. And uh, science advisor Matt Moniz is along as well. And we have two special guests in the studio with us tonight, guest hosts. Uh, we have, from the Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads website, check it out right now, masscrossroads.com, we have the administrator for that website, Chris Balzano. How are you tonight, Chris? Excellent. How are you doing? All right. And uh, now you have been checking out the show online and, and keeping up to date with what we've been going on. Definitely. definitely. Outsider's opinion, you know, how are we doing so far? I think you guys are doing an excellent job. I think it's getting better week by week. And um, I think you guys are, the, like I was saying uh, earlier t- this evening to you guys, the more you guys are uh, learning, the more you guys are able to bring to the table, and it, it just goes to show you guys are doing your research. Well, we're going to totally blow that kind praise out of the water later on. We're going to totally uh, expose ourselves to the frauds that we are, because we're going to talk about the ethics in, in paranormal broadcasting. And, of course, anybody that knows us know that we have no ethics. And if it comes across over the air that we do, it's just a, a mistake. Well, I'm ready to insult you at any point. Well, too, that's so. fine. You know, that's what The microphones are always on when it comes to insults. We don't shy away. No, I mean, we do try to follow some ethical guidelines. Uh, as much as we can, we try to... To present every side of every story, but we are going to get into that because Danielle Garrison, uh, who is the co-founder of Crossroads Paranormal, she put a survey up on the internet earlier this week about paranormal internet radio talk shows, about you know whether or not they're presenting every side of the story. So we're going to talk to Danielle. We're going to take your calls on that because we want to make sure that you do feel that we've been putting out uh, both sides of the story because just because we don't always represent every voice in every discussion that we have, we do try to bring up the questions that the other side might have. And speaking of the other side, we've brought in a skeptical voice tonight. Our good friend uh, here at Spooky South Coast, Pat McCurtain, is joining us from the skeptical side of things. Uh, Basically, he just calls bull on anything with the paranormal. So we brought him in to keep the approach of, you know, if you're going to do this, you have to do it in a justifiable manner. You have to prove to me what's going on, and you can't just get on the radio and say, oh, I saw a ghost, and have somebody else say, yeah, there was a ghost. I saw it, too. You need to bring up you know, the other side of things. Could it have been something else? Could, I mean, we were having a discussion uh, on the way here, and it's just... I was discussing with him uh, electronic voice phenomena, and you know, right away, he said to me, well, uh, aside from the paranormal possibilities, what else could it be? What are some of the more normal explanations? So that's the type of... Uh, of thought we hope he'll bring to the discussion tonight. And, of course, we want to hear from you, 508-996-0500, 508-2910-500. The Internet is giving us a little bit of trouble tonight, so uh, we probably won't be able to get to the message board too often tonight. But if you do want to post something up there, SpookySouthCoast.com, click on the message board, and uh, and we'll 
try to get to that at least at some point a couple of times. And uh, maybe later on in the show, if we have some time, Matt, and you're, you're willing to indulge us, we'll talk about your new crypto creature of the month, kind of uh, getting off the crypto creature and going to the mythology aspect, which was very highly received by the fans of Casa's Crypt. And uh, also, uh, if we can get her on the phone, we're going to talk to Reagan uh, Vaknitz of Apart Paranormal Investigations, uh, Auburn, I'm sorry, Auburn Paranormal uh, research team. Uh, they're out in Washington. So we're going to talk to her about a poll she's doing online as well, trying to get some background information about how people got interested in the paranormal. So basically, you know, I spent a lot of time on the Internet this week and uh, I came across some really interesting stuff, things that I think are important for the audience to learn uh, and to chime in on. So we'll uh, make sure that we get all those website addresses out to you during the course of the show. So if you want to log on and give your thoughts and opinions, you certainly can. Now then, so uh, we uh, we made a stop on the way here tonight. Matt, why don't you tell everybody where we went? Good old Ellis Bowl Cemetery. Yes, and for the police that might have gotten the calls, we're not there anymore. So, of course, it's always important to get permission before you go anywhere. And so we went down there to do some uh, some photos because uh, we have our contest going on, our spooky South Coast first ever contest, complete with crappy prizes. If you win. If you design the best T-shirt design for Spooky South Coast, you win such fabulous prizes as a T-shirt with your design on it. If we can scrape up enough change to buy one for you, you will get a guest hosting shot on uh, Spooky South Coast here for you know at least for a couple of minutes. And uh, what was the other prize we said? Oh, you were going to go there and personally investigate their home to make sure there's no ghosts there. Was that one? Of, no. No. Okay. Matt, you were going to. Uh, no, he's not going to. What'd you say? Oh, uh, yeah, the nude photo of Moniz. We uh, decided last week that that's not actually uh, eligible for the contest. And uh, so if you want to send in your design, please feel free. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, and uh, we'll be sure to get them going. There was a couple of designs that came in already this week. We actually had some real graphic artists, like, trying to design stuff, so that's kind of cool. But, uh, of course, any design that we deem good enough uh, to make the contest we'll put them up on our message board people can vote and we'll take like maybe the top two or three designs and start printing t-shirts out of them so there you go well why don't we take a quick break on the other side we will talk to danielle garrison of crossroads paranormal about ethics in paranormal reporting and paranormal talk radio and of course please chime in with your opinions 508-996-0500 508-291-0500 we'll be right back here on spooky south coast don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. Crystal Expectations is an extraordinary experience. Crystal Expectations has books, jewelry, candles, incense, oils, CDs, tarot decks, religious and fantasy statues, and cultural items from around the world. Crystal Expectations offers a wide variety of services including Reiki, Kuan Yin, Magnified Healing, and Meditation. Do you want to find out the influences in your life and what the future holds for you? Call to schedule a tarot or Hindu astrology reading. Crystal Expectations' knowledgeable staff has over 40 years' experience in a wide variety of spiritual disciplines. They can provide instruction in spiritual cleansing for yourself and techniques to reduce negative influences in your life. Crystal Expectations is located at 854 Brock Avenue in New Bedford, serving those interested in the paranormal and spiritual for over 18 years. 508-990-7898 or visit crystalexpectations.net. You can also email them at crystalx at verizon.net.
right, we are. We're creepy and we're kooky. We're definitely creepy. No, we're definitely kooky. The two mats, they're creepy. That's what I hear anyway. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. We have Matt Moniz and Matt Costa along for the ride, as well as special guest host Chris Balzano of MassCrossroads.com and Pat McCartan of I Don't Have a Website.com. We'll have to work on that. We'll have to get you a website. After tonight, you're going to be huge. You don't understand. Like, there's going to be people asking for Pat McCartan t shirts. You wouldn't think so, but believe me. Or He's doing his impression of Matt Costa over there behind the mic. It's alright to just like, it, this is, this is radio, so like sometimes you need to just like say something, even if it doesn't mean anything. Okay. That works, see? Just, otherwise people start to say they're making up the skeptic guy to sit there to make it sound like they're representing both sides. But I get that a lot. We have a guest on the line with us right now. Uh, Danielle Garrison is the co-founder of Crossroads Paranormal. Uh, her primary interest is ghostology. She was fascinated with the paranormal from an early age, and she's cultivated her education and efforts in the understanding of ghosts on a physiological, psychological, social, and philosophical level in past and modern-day societies. She studies the hypotheses of current paranormal theory and the effects of death on modern culture. In the mid-1990s, she began freelance investigations of local and regional hauntings in the Indiana and Chicago, Illinois area. She has investigated private residences, business jails, cemeteries, hotels, hospitals, asylums, poor farms, and restaurants. In 2001, she affiliated with Indiana Ghost Trackers Incorporated, where she accepted a position on the corporate board in January of 2005. And then in April of this year, Danielle teamed up with Chris Baker to co-found Crossroads Paranormal. Good evening, Danielle. How are you tonight? Hi, everybody. Welcome into Spooky South Coast. Oh, thanks for having me on. Oh, no, no problem. Now, of course, uh, we found out about Crossroads through MySpace, which is a great networking tool for, for paranormal investigators. And uh, we found on your blog this week, uh, you posted up some interesting questions. Uh, did you, First of all, before we talk about the specific questions, did you think that it would get the kind of response that it has? No, not in a million years. It was something that I just kind of thought up, and it went off like wildfire. And now what exactly was the thought that you had? Uh, for those who don't have uh, MySpace, uh, we'll go over it, but if you want to check it out, it's myspace.com slash Danielle Garrison, G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N, and we have a link up to it on SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, what exactly was your thought process? What was it that you were trying to find out? Basically, um, the very first reason why I created the blog in the first place was to ask um, the paranormal community a few questions on how they felt about internet radio shows or um, paranormal radio or paranormal radio shows in general. And you're talking about everything from uh, a show like ours or or uh, coast to coast to some of these independent right. podcast right. shows. And that includes the, the new radio show for TAPS and any kind of paranormal-based show. And w what exactly were you finding in these shows uh, as you were listening? I mean, I'm assuming that you listened to a wide variety of them. What was it that you felt uh, wasn't being represented in these shows? Well, it's not necessarily what I felt wasn't being represented. Um, it was kind of a biased opinion sometimes, um, which was one opinion that I thought uh, needed to be um, examined a little bit further, um, not necessarily from the skeptical point of view, but that is a, a part of the um, situation that needed to be uh, to covered on mm -hmm. the radio. But it was also um, what the paranormal community felt or what they thought that the purpose of these shows were. 
Well, because you know, as paranormal investigators, uh, and even those who are well beyond, well beyond uh, the realm of what Taps has done, uh, groups that have started in years prior to when ghost hunters hit the airwaves, uh, they've worked a long time in trying to build up a fairness, trying to build up uh, the fact they bring in a skepticism as well as an interest in the paranormal. And so do you feel like maybe some of these shows are, because they can reach this mass audience, maybe they are stepping on some of that a little bit? Um, yeah, I, I, can, I can see where it would be um, kind of a biased opinion mm-hmm. as far as just from a paranormal standpoint where ghosts exist, um, where nobody's really there saying other than there are some skeptics in the paranormal community stepping up and saying, well, you know, prove it. And unfortunately, when you're on the radio, you don't really have that uh, that opportunity. I mean, we're a little bit, we try to be a little bit different than some of these other shows. We try to actually go out into the field, and we have had some success and gained some evidence. But a lot of the times, I mean, nothing to knock these other shows. They all have their own way of doing things. But, I mean, they're just getting behind the mic, and they're interviewing the people who are saying that they have evidence. And like you said, without bringing in somebody that might question that evidence. Um, do you think that if there was both sides presented in every issue, it would make it uh, more accepted? I think that just the the principle of bringing the ethics to the table, which would be um, forming um, an ethical, unbiased opinion, um, bringing the skeptical view, and that can be a paranormal skeptical view mm-hmm. from a, a scientist or a researcher themselves. I think that um, just in any science, you have to have the science, scientific skepticism, um, which is just keeping that open-mindedness of proving or disproving your hypothesis. Well, Danielle, as a scientist, it's not you're not supposed to actually be a skeptic. You're supposed to be objective. Objective. True, which is that open-mindedness of the possibility. Unfortunately, too many skeptics uh, look at the term skeptic as being opposing uh, and that really isn't the way that it should be it should be you know i'm willing to listen but i need a little bit more but so many skeptics have gotten away from that and it's no no i'm not going to buy this there's nothing you can do to change my mind so i'm here to call bull on everything that you present which is what i have a, a huge problem with the skeptical mm-hmm. community with um people like james randy etc take it to an extreme where it is just absolutely ridiculous when they're saying, well, prove it, prove it, prove it. Well, they're not disproving or proving it either. They're just saying, well, that's just bunk. Yeah, it's, it's real easy to sit back and let somebody else do all the work. Right, exactly. And let's go through these questions uh, one by one. There's, uh, you know, five of them here. So it's a real short survey if you want to take it. Uh, and really, to, to get your opinions out there, it would be much appreciated both on our part and Danielle's. But the, the first question we, we kind of covered a little bit, should paranormal Internet radio shows and broadcast radio shows, have a moral duty to conduct themselves under a code of journalism ethics. Do you see shows such as ours and other paranormal talk shows as being a form of journalism, or do you see them as being a form of entertainment? Personally, I think any time you put yourself out in front of a group of people that listen to you, and you, even though it's a fan-based, and even though it's, it's sometimes entertainment, you still have an ethical code that you need to bring to the table. And I do believe that it's 100% journalism. 
Well, we, we hope to bring entertainment to the table, but I think sometimes we might fall short of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, in terms of the, the journalism ethics, I mean, I myself, uh, for my day job, uh, I am a journalist. And so, and as I posted on, on your blog, I feel that being a journalist, anytime that I'm giving my opinion to people, uh, even if it's if it's from you know, going on the radio and talking to a bunch of people, posting something on the Internet or talking to somebody in the barbershop, I try to remember that, you know, my journalistic integrity is on the line and I have to try to be fair and unbiased. But then again, you know, also I write columns as well where I'm supposed to be biased and, and have an opinion. And, and I think as well when, when guests come on, um, people assume that we're experts and people assume that we know exactly what's going on and so they take what we say as, as fact. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of up to the to someone interviewing us to call us out on certain things. So there is like that me- ethical um, obligation to kind of you know st- either strengthen or weaken our argument based on you know what your where your guys are coming from, or else people will just assume that everything we say is truth. But I mean, even though in the case of our show, uh, we try to let the guests you know have their say, and we hope that our audience is intelligent and informed enough in these matters that they can also make that determination. I mean, I think if, if you're trying to get a guest on to your show, Danielle, and, and being on this end of it, it's a little bit different because we're responsible for, I mean, we do everything ourselves. We book the guests. You know, we go through the process of, just, you know, reading all the books and, and acu- acquiring all the information for the interview. But if you're going to go through all that trouble, you kind of build up a trust that your guest is going to present things as fairly and accurately as they can. And so we kind of leave it up to the audience to make the determination as to how believable. I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but we've had some people on this show that people have outright... Fruit Loops? People have have questioned, and I'm I'm not talking about callers. I'm talking about, you know, just even sometimes guests. You're not talking about me, are you? Well, there was this... Oh, yeah, that was you. Never mind. No, but there are some people that they have these different theories that are really out there from what people are used to hearing, and we like to think that it's up to the audience to go out there and to research that and to look into that a little bit deeper. I mean, how much of the um, ethics are involved in audience participation, in the audience questioning in their own mind whether or not uh, this stuff can be believable? Well, I definitely think that it's, it's very much so up to the audience to believe and to be intelligent enough about the topic at hand to um, know and formulate their own opinions about what is being said over the airways. But primarily, I, I just really feel that the... Paranormal community, um, with all, there is a huge explosion of paranormal related material popping up everywhere from paranormal radio shows to television shows, all kinds of things. And I really just feel that the radio personalities themselves have um, a duty to their listeners to, to still become ethical or to learn how to become ethical. The problem is, is that every um, there's a lot of groups out there right now who are contemplating getting into the radio business through the Internet since it's so easy. Mm-hmm. And it is. And it is extremely easy. And the problem with that is is that they don't have journalistic backgrounds like you do. So they don't know necessarily the ethical code. They don't understand journalism um, at a basic level. Um, maybe they do have some journalistic uh, education, but it's just not there as, as far as um, having some kind of formal education in ethical journalism. 
Well, one of the advantages or disadvantages, however you want to look at it, is we are on a commercial broadcast radio station. So if at any time the higher-ups here at the station felt that we weren't doing an accurate job, that we weren't presenting both sides of the issue, or for whatever reason, if they had a problem with the way we were conducting interviews, we could get yanked off the air. Whereas with these podcast programs, these internet programs, they're their own bosses. They're the ones that determine what their content is. And so they need to be even more careful because it is so easy to come across as, as having a bias when you are the, you know, the person that puts your show out there. I think, I think we have a call on the line for you right now, Danielle. Okay. Good evening around Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Well, it's not really a call for her because I can't hear the show live. Oh, okay. No problem. But uh, I just figured I'd call in. I'm one of your friends from Kentucky. Oh, how you doing? Uh, I'm also on your message board. I'm pretty good. Yeah, I was. I uh, uh, got an email from you earlier today with some uh, some t-shirt designs. Yeah. Very. Uh, hey, Hunter. Great work. So yeah, what you think? What you think of the silent assassin one? I haven't shown it to him yet, but I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> and you're. Can you're, you can can you guys use that uh, thing from your intro? The till today begins tomorrow. Oh, I don't. I didn't, I don't I see. Didn't know. I don't know. We'll we'll have to get into that, but I don't see why not. And but, uh, uh, so, what's going on down in Kentucky tonight? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we live in a dead town. Well, hey, that's good business for uh, what we're talking about. So, uh, and, but, and, well, what's your what are your thoughts on on ethics in paranormal uh, radio? Do you feel that uh, they have to present both sides of the issue, or, or are you content with listening to? You know, maybe one side of the story and exploring the other side for yourself. I always thought it was good to, you know, hear both sides. Like on your Waverly Hills one? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. with um, Matt's video? Mm-hmm. I think it was Matt, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Matt Moniz. But uh, me and a friend uh, use a video editing program to zoom in mm-hmm. on the thing. Sorry about the side. Oh, no problem. But uh, if you notice the... Uh, the um, apparition or whatever, mm-hmm. it moves, like, with the camera. Like, if you slow it down, as the camera moves toward it, it moves with it, and as it moves away, the apparition disappears. So, so a friend of mine who's skeptical, and so am I a little bit, but <laughs> he thinks it could be some kind of reflection, but I, I just wanted to know more that, details about that. That was the room. first thing that I said when I saw it. I thought it was a reflection of Joe Gonski, the cameraman, but then I immediately brought that question up, and, and Matt explained it for me. Well, that would be a little hard since there's no glass in the building. <laughs> that pretty much <laughs> took care of that. <laughs> they, uh, there are no windows uh, in Waverly Hills, at least on that level. What was it, the fourth floor, third, third floor? Third floor. So there was no glass there for it to be reflective of because that was my original uh I just thought because, like you said, I saw it move with the camera. So I thought, and if you pay attention to that, and maybe you only caught the 30-second clip well, or so. Well, the cameraman never moved. Joe never moved. He was standing in one spot. Well, yeah, it's the he's, actual. He's zooming in What and moves out. is the uh, the night vision scope. Right. It was, we had a night vision scope that we put up to the video camera. So he's trying to move both the night scope and keep the camera focused through it. Oh. So his, he, his he physical was not body is He was physically still. standing still. But if you also oh. watch, there are other parts in that same stretch of footage, and uh, you might have only seen the 30-second clip. We do have the full clip that we can email to you if you want. Yeah, I tried to download the one thing off the big uploads, but that's dead. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get you one uh, on a DVD or something. And then what you'll actually see is the camera moves in similar ways later on without any kind of reflection appearing in the background. Sounds good. So, uh, I was going to ask you if I could have a 
copy of that. Yeah, we will. Because we'll, all I had to work with was the Flash one. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just email me your uh, your address, and we'll mail you out a copy of the DVD. And anybody, okay. of course, that wants a copy of the footage or, or our EVPs, just shoot us an email, uh, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and I'll try and get it out to you. I'll get that to you. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. And th- thanks for checking in. <laughs> no problem. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. And, Danielle, you're still with us, right? Yes, I am. Okay. We're coming up on the news in a few minutes. Uh, then we do our little bit, our little news segment called The Week in Weird, and then we'd like to check back in with you after that if, uh, if you don't mind. That's fine. We're not keeping you from an investigation or anything, are we? Not tonight. Okay, because last last week we had David Chastain on. We were trying to we were pulling him away from a, a serious investigation, so we had to let him go. Oh. So uh, yeah, we will get more into this. Uh, but one one question that I think we can cover real quick in the two minutes or so that we have here is, uh, and we kind of addressed this a bit. Our par- paranormal internet radio show is considered media, and uh, your definition of media would be. My definition of media would be any um, broadcast to the general public, be that a TV, radio, uh, Internet, it doesn't matter. It's any kind of general broadcast to the general public. And and the way things are with the technology the way it is, that definition has to keep expanding and and keep being changed and altered because, you know, you never know what type of new media form there's going to be out there to the point where everybody can sit in their home and be considered media because they have the way to, to broadcast their opinions. Yes, absolutely, and that's why the education base is so important when it comes to ethical journalism. Right, well, we, will, we will discuss this a little bit more in the second hour, uh, and we are going to talk also, if we can get her on the phone, with uh, Regan Vacknitz of the Apart Paranormal Group, as well about a similar but different poll she has going on on, on her MySpace as well. And uh, we will also talk to you, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Again, we will take a break for CBS News. On the other side, we'll have the Week in Weird. You'll get to hear from more from Pat McCartan and Chris Balzano, and uh, we'll kick around some other topics as well. So, uh, And if you want to send us a message on the message board, SpookySouthCoast.com. Click on the message board there. Go to tonight's live show chat. Post something in there. We'll check it during the uh, news break here. And we'll get all those questions up for you. So uh, just stay tuned here. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. I'm knitting myself a hat. And I'm sewing up a head to wear it on. I'm making myself some mittens and I'm stitching my fingers together to keep them warm inside. I'm knitting myself a sweater to cover the body I'm wearing. Knitting! 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 Fear, isn't it? This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Spooky so cool. I
Welcome back in hour number two of Spooky South Coast. A little bit of uh, an extended version of the hour number two theme song, because we're waiting for Matt Moniz and Chris Balzano to come back in. They stepped outside for a moment, so uh, we will get back into it in a few minutes, talking about ethics in paranormal broadcasting, paranormal reporting, all different aspects of reporting on the paranormal. Can you delegitimize what it is that people are working on uh, if you don't present both sides of the story? That's what we are discussing. We'll get back into that discussion with Danielle Garrison of Crossroads Paranormal in just a few minutes. If you'd like to go to her MySpace site and take the poll, which we highly recommend, we've done it, and uh, we want everybody out there to get their opinions in there as well, go to MySpace.com slash Danielle Garrison, uh, G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N, you can also get to it if you go to our uh, our MySpace, uh, myspace.com slash Spooky South Coast. She is one of our many friends on MySpace. And, of course, we, we thank you all for, for joining up with us on MySpace and uh, spreading the word of Spooky South Coast across the world. Uh, Chris, you just joined us. Uh, who, who's that in the picture? Uh, that is my grandfather. I thought so. He, you, you bear a slight resemblance to him. Uh, I've actually never been, never heard that before. In my really? Life. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe it was the eyes. Like I looked at it and I was like, "Oh, it's like Balzano staring at me." Right. I, uh, now. His name is Danuccio, and they do say I have a Danuccio nose. So well, that might that, be. Yeah, that, that might be. Out. Yeah. They, they He's say a real happy guy, as you can tell from the picture. Yeah. Well, I just figured, you know, I, I thought maybe it was just some cool old guy that found our MySpace, but then I realized it was yours. Yeah, so, that's me. That's yeah. That's we like, welcome cool old guys to join our MySpace, though. We have we have at least one that I know of. On the. <laughs> <laughs> Only slightly older. Only slightly older. So uh, now, uh, and of course, we just spoke with uh, on the phone with Regan Vaknitz of Apart. She's going to join us a little bit later on in the show to talk about a poll she has on her MySpace as well. And if you want to check that out in advance, it is myspace.com slash apartofwashington. And her website is apartofwa.com. So check those out. Uh, make your opinions heard. Let them know what you think. And, of course, you can let us know what you think. 508-996-0500. 508 And we'll be happy to take your calls right after a little segment we like to call The Week in Weird. And we've instituted a new policy here on Spooky South Coast. All guest hosts have to read at least one Week in Weird story. So we're going to put that to the test tonight. Uh, leading it off, and this is a little bit of a local angle for uh, our Fall Riva fans here, uh, for those who appreciate the cuisine of one Emerald Lagasse, bam, we've got the story for you. Gourmet cuisine and space food may sound like mutually exclusive terms, but when NASA whipped up some jambalaya based on TV chef Emerald Lagasse's recipe and freeze-dried it for a space station testing, even Emerald's team had to admit that the result was surprisingly good, reports MSNBC.com. Yes, this may be the 21st century, but NASA still has to freeze-dry a lot of the food it sends to the International Space Station, uh, even the kicked-up bacon and cheese mashed potatoes from Emerald's recipe book. The space station's astronauts will be putting the results of a televised taste test next Thursday out there, but the space food manager at NASA's Johnson Space Center, Vicky Colaris, is already pretty sure the meal will get four stars. Our team looked at the recipes to decide which ones would freeze-dry the best, and basically ran a batch of these products, and they were quite successful, she told MSNBC. And Emerald, well, he's happy with the results as well. Uh, to judge by the Food Network's news release, this is a tremendous honor, he was quoted as saying. It is rare to have this kind of opportunity, and obviously we hope that our meals make a difference in the quality of life for our men in space. This gives the term kicking it up notch a whole new meaning. Yeah, a couple thousand miles. That's a pretty big notch. The chef and his staff have been working with NASA over the past 18 months to develop freeze-dried versions of five classic emerald recipes. 
and the finished products were finally delivered last month aboard the shuttle Discovery. However, you know, Emerald couldn't make his uh, his rice pudding because the rum extract that he uses it uh, uses and it doesn't comply with NASA's ban on alcohol in space. So that's uh, pretty interesting. But spicy jambalaya should be a particularly welcome dish around the space station's dining table. Since the very dawn of space food back in the 60s, astronauts have noted that their palates seem dull during space flight, which has led them to, quote, kick it up a notch. It's like every time they put that in the story, there should be a little trademark symbol. With a variety of hot sauces and spices. Space food has come a long way since the days of Tang drink mix sucked from a pouch and apple seed, I'm sorry, applesauce squeezed out of a toothpaste tube. Not everything has to be freeze-dried. In fact, many of the foods on NASA's 300-item menu are thermostabilized, basically put through a canning process that preserves the food in pouches rather than in glass jars. So, uh, Matt Moniz, why don't you read for us uh, a story that was posted by our message board reader, Deb, on SpookySouthCoast.com. Yeah, originally uh, she got it from a rather story. <clears throat> Three Indian doctors were caught on camera apparently agreeing to amputate the healthy legs of a beggar. Secretly filmed footage taken by a local news channel showed one of the doctors asking for 10,000 rupees, or about $215, to amputate the lower leg, leaving a stump that may draw sympathy and a few bucks from passers-by. He then suggested chopping off three fingers from the man's left hand. Police said one of the three doctors had been questioned and deemed the allegations, but not, but that no arrest had been made. The TV station sent a fake beggar along to see that the doctors at this clinic, after hearing he offered the amputations, their meeting was secretly filmed. The doctor from uh, Gazabad? Closest as I'm going to get to it. In northern India's state of Uttar Pradesh and a satellite town of the capital in New Delhi, explained how he can stitch up blood vessels in a healthy limb, causing it to blacken with gangrene over a few days. A prospective beggar can be looked can be booked into the doctor's uh, claiming to have an accident and then have the amputation carried out without raising eyebrows, he explained. Believe me, if there are two beggars in front of you and one of them is lame, you will give the money to the lame beggar, the station recorded him saying in Hindi. You know, some of those beggars uh, were out there saying they'd give an arm and a leg to make a couple extra bucks, so I guess, you know, this doctor just called them on it. Hmm. So, Silent Assassin, we're going to talk to you about one of your favorite subjects. That would be beer. So why don't you tell us a little bit about some new and different beer out there. All right, from BBCNews.com, a brewery in Greenland is producing beer using water melted from, from the polar ice caps. The brewers claim that the water is at least 2,000 years old and free of minerals and pollutants. The first 66,000 liters of the new dark and pale ales are on the way to the Danish market. The beer from Greenland is <clears throat> is the product of the first ever Inuit, in, Inuit microbrewery located in Narsak, uh, which is a hamlet that is 390 miles south of the Arctic Circle. It is claimed that the Greenland beer officially launched in Copenhagen on Monday has a softer, cleaner taste than other beers because of the ice cap water. And the gigantic island of Greenland measures 844,000 square miles with 
covered in ice that is at least 11,000 feet thick. That's a lot of ice to make some ice-brewed beer out of. And uh, speaking of a lot of beer, Pat McCurtain has a story for us about a guy who had maybe a little bit too much beer and uh, did some crazy... Now, we've all done crazy stuff after we've had a couple drinks. Uh, I think they actually have video surveillance footage at the uh, the Providence Place Mall about some of the crazy stuff we've done after having a bit too much. But this guy took it to an extreme. He's not too sharp. Pat, why don't you tell us? Sure. This is from uh, Ananova.com. Isn't she a tennis player? She might be. Okay. Uh, Serbian Rako Dankovic, who's 23, had been drinking with friends while watching a magician perform a sword-swallowing trick on the television. They then started arguing over how the trick was done, and when Dankovic told that sword-swallowing was easy and anyone could do it, they challenged him to prove it. But he had to be rushed to a local hospital after swallowing a knife with an 8-inch blade, 8 nails, 2 spoons, and a couple of clothes pegs (laughs) to win the 10-pound bet. His friend Alexander said he stood in the corner of the room and was holding the stuff above his head and swallowing it with his head uh, tilted back. And we all thought it was just part of the act. We had no idea he was really swallowing it. He must have been really drunk to have managed to get it down his throat without gagging. I can't believe he really swallowed all that junk. I thought he was just pretending and then hiding it in the pockets or something. We only realized there was something wrong when he collapsed and we checked to see that the knife and nails were hidden and could not find them. Then we realized that he really swallowed them. Doctors at the city hospital carried on an x-ray to locate the metal objects. Dr. Gulan said he was lucky. His stomach or intestines were not significantly injured. It could have been very different. Doctors successfully removed all the items in a five-hour operation. Dankovich, who was still being kept in the hospital, said, I don't remember a thing until I woke up here in the hospital with a sore throat and 30 stitches on a cut on my abdomen. My girlfriend has told me that she hopes they get everything out. We are planning to fly on holiday next month, and she doesn't want me getting stopped by the airport metal detector. That's just awesome. I can't believe that the guy actually swallowed that. Let's see. Go over this one more time. An 8-inch blade, 8 nails, 2 spoons, and a couple of clothes pegs to win 10 pounds from his friends. If you ask me, he didn't swallow enough. Darwinism lost. (laughs) You know, and I'm just imagining, you know, they said he must have been really drunk. Imagine the keg stands this guy can do. He might be able to take the whole thing. I don't know. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, and if you want to go online, I don't. I don't think I put a link up on SpookySouthCoast.com. But if you go to the uh, to the Ananova.com website, they actually have a picture of the X-ray of his stomach, and the stuff is just sitting there. And uh, it's, it's it's a crazy story. And, and speaking of uh, crazy stories, not so crazy is the Chinese festival that's coming up right now. And we're going to have Chris Balzano tell us, and now uh, we'll throw in a plug for your website, MassCrossroads.com. There you go. Beautiful. Uh, this comes from Boston.com. It's the time of the year that Chinese businesses dread, the Hungry Ghost Festival. When families avoid moving houses, couples postpone their wedding plans, and tourists shy away from beach resorts. This year, they'll be hit with a double whammy due to an oddity in the Chinese lunar calendar that results in two seventh months, also known as the Hungry Ghost Festival, when the gates of hell open and the dead walk the earth among the living. The festival is widely observed by Chinese in Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, and Malaysia, home to many Taoists and Buddhists who believe that the living are supposed to please the ghosts by offering them food and burning paper effigies of homes, maids, and other daily items for spirits to use in the afterlife. For those who maintain these traditional beliefs, all sorts of activities make grind to a halt. The peculiarity of the double seventh month occurs because of the lunar calendar assigns an extra month every three years to balance the lunar and solar cycles. This year, the ghost month runs from July 25th to August 23rd, with the leap seventh month stretching from August 24th to September 21st. 
Many people in mainland China, especially in urban areas and among the younger generation, follow Ghost Month traditions. Many superstitions and traditional practices were stamped out during the 1966 to 76 Cultural Revolution because the communists frowned on them as relics of the Chinese feudal past. Go commies! <laughs> we have a we have a listener out in Japan who is working at the American Embassy out there. His name is Reej, and he checked in with us. Um, over the course of the week via email, we like to say hi to you, Reg, out there. Thanks for listening. And I had a discussion with him via email about you know how superstitious the Japanese are, and he was telling me that they are, but they don't talk about it. They don't let on to it, and so uh, that might be the case with the Chinese, as they say. You know, some of these superstitions may have fallen by the wayside. I think that maybe they still practice them, you know, in the secrecy of their own home, and they're just not as as uh, vocal about them as they used to be. So that is the week and weird. Right here on Spooky South Coast, and if you want to share week and weird stories with us, just go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. The message board there. There's a special chat board there for the week and weird. Post links to your stories up there, and if we read it on the air, as we did with the one Deb sent in, we will give you credit. So we will be right back. We will have more from Danielle Garrison. I'm sorry, Garrison, about the su- uh, survey on her MySpace. We'll also talk to Regan. From a part about her survey as well, and of course your calls. The phones are lit up here, so we'll get right into the calls when we come back here on Spooky South Coast. Oh, who's that I see walking in these woods? Why, it's Little Red Riding Hood. Hey there, Little Red Riding Hood. You sure are looking good. You're everything a big bad wolf could want. Listen to me, little red riding. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Phone lines are open: five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred, five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. We welcome you to call in, share your thoughts, your theories, your questions. Uh, the the phone lines are always open here, even if you can't hear the show live.、Uh, if you're elsewhere and you're listening to us on podcast later on, please, you know, we're on the same time every week. Feel free to call in and share with us. And we're going to get back into the discussion in just a few moments with Danielle Garrison of Crossroads Paranormal. If you have a second, go to her website myspace.com/slash/danielgarrison and take the poll that we are discussing. And then in a little while, we will talk to Regan Vaknitz of Apart. Paranormal about、uh, a similar survey that she has、uh, conducting. There were a couple of callers there trying to call in during the week and weird. We apologize for making you wait there, but please call back and share whatever it was that you wanted to share with us,、uh, even if it's a personal experience, if it's a question, anything. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred, five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. So let's see if Danielle is still with us. Danielle, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay, and now of course the phones are lighting up. So、uh, if you don't mind hanging on, we'll take these calls. That's fine. All right. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. All right.、Uh, are you guys talking about ethics tonight? Yeah, we're talking about、uh, ethics、uh, when it comes to、uh, just discussing the paranormal in general, be it a、uh, internet radio show, a broadcast radio show. You know, just、uh, making sure that you follow ethical guidelines so as not to discredit、uh, what other people are doing. What are your What are your thoughts on it?、Uh, I definitely think you should show both sides.、Uh, you just Make yourself turn out to look like a fool if you're only showing one side.、Uh, if you're weighting yourself heavily in one direction, people are far less likely to believe you. <laughs> you, you. You'll end up seeming like an extremist almost, or yeah. 
but I mean, in the course of what we're doing, sometimes it's hard uh, with the amount of time that you have. And and if every guest that came on th- and wanted to discuss things with us, we had to find an opposing viewpoint. Uh, do you think that maybe some of the determination is on the audience, or uh, some of the? I mean, obviously, you have a certain set of listeners. People who totally don't believe are obviously not going to be tuning in. Or well, maybe they are. <laughs> maybe they're waiting, <laughs> they, they may be. They're waiting to call us. That's. But uh, I mean, just like the video that you had posted, uh, in, in actuality, the KY Hunter, the, I'm the aforementioned friend that pointed out the uh, reflection. Oh, okay. Uh, so you, 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 the camera was absolutely still, or as still as possible, and that was just like an IR flashlight. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, uh, the cam, the what he had was one of those owl uh, night vision monocular, and uh-huh. in one hand, and he had a palm quarter in the other. And he was trying to line up the uh, the camera and the the monocular together. So the movement is him trying to keep it lined up. He is actually absolutely stationary. And and you'll yeah. notice on the apparition the hat. Did you notice the hat? Uh, I noticed the hat. I was helping him edit that video to make it more clear. It, <laughs> it looked to me like I was wearing a hat. So I said to Matt, I was like, well, you know, Joe had a baseball cap on. And he's like, no, Joe was wearing a hat. No, no, but so a- that's anybody what... that was there was only one person that came in the building that was wearing a baseball hat, and he didn't come in until hours after that video was recorded. Uh, so. One thing to certainly keep the thought on, though, is IR light scatters a lot differently than all the other frequencies of light. I'm well aware. So, I mean, if you really pay attention to the slowed down video, you can watch the camera move in, and it'll light up there and then as it pulls away it goes just as dark but i mean i, I i'm not going to give a definitive yes or no on it because well it, without actually being there it's hard to prove that's one of the reasons i'm interested in it and actually go out i i'm actually looking to choose a side <laughs> until i've experienced one thing or another i, I i'm really not, i'm somewhere on the fence all right. Well, we we thank you for sharing, and we will get you out the DVD of the uh, of the actual footage, the whole thing, and then you can see, you know, the before and the after, and you can see if you can find any similar motions and similar reflections, and and tear that apart. I mean, we we appreciate it. Believe me. All right. Well, uh, thanks. Uh, I got to go now. So uh, nice to be on the show. All right. Thank you. Call back anytime. All right. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hey guys, this is me. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. It's an evil angel. Mm-hmm. And, and we, um, what are your thoughts on uh, paranormal uh, ethics and the paranormal? Well, I think they're pretty clear. You should always tell the truth. And, and do you think that both sides need to be presented in every aspect, or? Uh, well, it depends what you're talking about. You know, I think all viewpoints should be open. You and, know, you should accept other people's viewpoints. And, and Danielle, you can jump into it anytime if you want to as well. Um, but do you, I mean, you've been listening to our show and, and, you know, we might not always have on both sides of it. Uh, do you think that that takes away some of, from some of the discussion, some of the fairness, or do you think maybe it's up to the hosts to ask questions that might be from the other side? I think it's always open to ask questions. In this field, there's always questions, no matter which side you're on. All right, and 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 I was a yeah. I would I would definitely say that if a, a skeptic or a quote unquote self proclaimed skeptic, um, somebody who does that on a general basis with all kinds of claims for the paranormal, 
Um, if that person isn't available, I mean, I still feel that that's where the radio personality would should kind of step in as far as the ethical journalism and kind of, you know, get both sides of the story. Um, one of the things that I found kind of funny um, in some of the research, um, Larry King is constantly scrutinized by the skeptical community uh, from some of the guests that he has on there because... He doesn't necessarily stop Sylvia Brown in mid-sentence and say, well, come on, Sylvia, you know, you're, you're not really talking to dead people, are you? So those are, those are the kinds of things that, you know, he's looking for ratings and he's looking for that um, entertainment side also where he's going to have watchers and listeners. Um, so uh, that's one of the things that the skeptics are always on is like Larry King not stepping in and being that voice for the skeptic. Well, I can tell you from this side of the microphone that you can't really do that to a guest. I mean, if you bring a guest on and, and say something like that, I mean, that totally belittles everything that Sylvia Brown stands for. And if you do that, you're going to infuriate her, and she's not going to answer the question. You need to, you know, first of all, if you're going to pose the question, you have to pose it in a way that the guest can't disagree with. And and you really can't bring somebody on for the purpose of killing them unless you're going, you know, in a in a... Uh, not in a literal sense. But if you're going to do that, you have to let them know that you're going to bring them on and challenge them. And uh, I just think that in this community, uh, you know, for good or bad reasons, if you brought a lot of people on for the purposes of attacking them on the air, they wouldn't go along with it. Well, I agree. But, like, for example, what does Pat think about, you know, from being the skeptic on your side? Um, how does he feel about Should there always be a skeptic on board? What do you think? Uh, no. Um, I mean, you're in a difficult you're in a difficult spot. You have a couple dozen listeners because of your, you know, the radius you have here. You don't you're not a large operation, mm -hmm. so it's very difficult for a, a show like this, I think, to always balance both sides. And going back to Larry King for a moment, um, I think he's a real gray area. I mean, he's on CNN, which is allegedly a news station, mm -hmm. but he's more like. It's more like a Jay Leno show. It's more like one of those interview shows, like an Oprah, yeah. where, where these people rarely, rarely take any side on anything, and it's more a vehicle for their guests to espouse whatever it is yeah, to plug they talk yeah. about. So I think, it, it, sure, it'd be nice um, in, in an ideal situation, um, you know, if time allowed it, if resources allowed it, to, to, to allow both sides to be heard. Um, I don't think it's necessarily realistic. I understand where you're coming from. Um, because you don't want a lot of crackpots out there just shouting at the moon. It, it you know, makes, delegitimatizes what uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, I just don't think it's a possibility. And part of it is, is uh, as I posted uh, in my response to the question on your blog, I think that it's not necessarily that they have to have uh, the opposing viewpoint present, but I think if they are asked to give equal time to that opposing viewpoint and they do not, I think that's when there's a real problem. If, you know, we have a guest on and that guest is, you know, saying, for example, you know, Jesus was an alien. And I just tried to pick the most controversial thing I could say to get calls and, and emails <laughs> in tomorrow. But say this, this person comes on and says Jesus is an alien. Well, if somebody else wants to come on and say, no, I can prove Jesus was a human. I, uh, you know, I have all this research. And they want to come on and give equal time. And we say, well, no, 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 because we had that guest on that said Jesus is an alien and we have to support our guests. You know, that's when you really have thrown out any possibility of ethics because you have taken a side. And as a, as a talk radio host, you really, you can have a viewpoint, but you really don't want to take a side and not give that equal voice. Which that's the heart and soul of 
why I started these questions in the first place, is to have the everyday normal Joe who's contemplating on starting their own paranormal radio show via Internet or whatever, that they don't have the education and the um, as far as the ethics of journalism, that's the heart and soul of what I was trying to get at, is that you really have to, to understand that you need to be unbiased. So maybe we should put out like a, a, some guidelines. Maybe we should get some of these paranormal groups that are out there, uh, some of the ones that are involved in broadcasting, some of the ones that aren't, to come up with you know, like a universal declaration of ethics when reporting on the paranormal because they're not going to be the same as regular news journalism ethics. It's just it's not possible because you're dealing with a lot of uh, a lot of hearsay. Which I'd like to see the same thing done, not just in journalism, but also in paranormal research. Oh, exactly. Well, I, I, I was just going to add, um, is there an entertainment value to this? Is there, um, you know, an, an entertainment bend to this, almost like if, if you thought of it as, say, say sports talk radio, mm-hmm. which I think most people could agree is, is far from journalism as you're <laughs> going to get. It's it's It's... It's a vehicle for fans. It's it's a fan show, you know, geared towards fans to listen and rant, rave, and whatever it is. Is is there a spot for 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 that in the paranormal world, uh, like in, in the media? Yeah, I think that because uh, I mean, I, sorry to jump in on. No, you. no, that's fine. No, I think that's what a lot of these shows are trying to be. So it's like just a hobby show. Yeah, or, it's you just know, an appreciation show, or, or what it's have just you. let's talk about the paranormal. We try to present a little bit differently. We're on a news talk sports station, so we try to be a news talk program about the paranormal. Uh, now, Danielle, I have to ask you this though: Do you find that there are some shows out there that are presenting a biased opinion? Yeah, I've heard a few. I mean, and, we, don't, we don't have to name any specific Right, well, I don't want to name any names. There are a few that I've heard, and that's just generally um, uh, very, very small Internet-based um, radio shows that are basically put on by um, very small non-profit paranormal re- uh, organizations, research organizations. And it's kind of a new fad, you know, since, since it is so easy to go out and to do that so you can have your own voice. I think part of the problem is is that there's a new fame-seeking um, trend in paranormal uh, research. Oh, absolutely. And I think that part of that is, is that they see the fame um, obtained by TAPS and they see some of the other things that it's opened a few doors as far as getting into allegedly haunted locations around uh, the United States. I think that the, the, the fame factor of bringing more credibility to your um, to your claims of evidence. So I think that there's this huge connection of building fame uh, behind paranormal researchers right now. Okay, we have another call on the line. Uh, we'll have Matt throw it up. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Good. How are you? All right. Good. I guess uh, this would have to do with ethics. Uh, I don't know if any of you remember, uh, I think it was maybe in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a display... At uh, North Dartmouth Mall, it was supposedly a Bigfoot. In, uh, no. Like in, in, yeah, it was... Uh, Encased in ice? Was yes, that? yes. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Um, and he said um, he had flyers going around. He said when he was done uh, touring, I guess, or uh, making enough money, he would have turned it over to scientists to study. Uh, and I never heard anything more about it after that. Um, that was actually a hoax. It was a... Uh, 
basically a rubber dummy that was put into a frozen block of ice as a publicity stunt. Imagine that. He, he cleaned up good. He made good money there. <laughs> wow. I remember. I, I said, yes, I never heard no more about it. And I mean, you went up to the case and it really smelled like bad meat. Meat uh, going bad, I mean. And it had like one arm up over its head. Yes, where yeah. the arm would, uh, the forearm had been shot. It was broken, actually, the forearm. And one of the eyes had been uh, shot, and then the other one had come out because of the... And I, uh, you know, I just said, yeah, I never, you know, I haven't thought about it all these years. I, said, I, I wonder I, what happened. I think they thawed him out and taught him how to work a, a, a radio station, and now he works <laughs> with us. I'll tell you, that guy must have did pretty good. Made some money for, for a hoax, chief. Well, that gives me an idea. Huh, Matt, what kind of cold temperatures can you withstand? Our own resident uh, Sasquatch. Well, we Amazing. Th- we thank you for checking in. Maybe we can do a little research and see if we can find out what happened. Maybe maybe that thing's still kicking around somewhere, that rubber dummy. Yeah, maybe he's just sitting around laughing somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Count, count his money. <laughs> yeah. All right, thank okay. you very much. Have a good night. You too. Bye. So, uh, yeah, that's the, you know, that's the uh, unfortunate aspect of the paranormal is it is so easy to hoax people because uh, even if uh, it's an obvious hoax when you get there sometimes the anticipation of what you might see is enough to draw the crowd so um and danielle uh when you get all the results of this uh, of this poll what exactly uh, do you have planned for it i'm actually doing some research for an article that i plan on doing for bellaonline.com okay um which is my uh paranormal uh site on bella um it's just kind of a, an encyclopedia of paranormal-related information um, that I'm putting together for that site. All right. And so we, about how long do you think you'll be taking responses for on that? Or is there no set timetable? Or? No set timetable. Um, basically, uh, what, I'm, what I'm learning from is from the fans. Um, they really are looking at it as an entertainment base. Um, and from the uh, radio personalities, I'm learning that they really do pretty much take it kind of seriously, and, they, and there is kind of a, an education-based for the most part. I'm just kind of worried about the new ones popping up here and there because there is such a huge fad going on about wanting their own radio show. I think uh, one of the dangerous things, though, um, is that even though they're accepting it as media, it's kind of becoming part of their subconscious and part of their, their understanding of the paranormal, their understanding of life after death, their understanding of, of the way that things work. And this is now, I'm seeing, rolling down into the way that they're viewing uh, local legends in their town and, mm-hmm. and, and myths in their town and kind of now adding all these things that people talk about on the radio or that they see on, you know, on television, on taps or other shows, and that's kind of becoming their part of the lore of things that are going on. So there is a certain ethical... Um, approach to it that you have to take because people are accepting these things as fact or are absolutely Mm -hmm. all right well we thank you danielle for joining us tonight again if you want to take the the little survey it's myspace.com slash danielle garrison g-a-r-r-i-s-o-n and you can check out her website for crossroads paranormal at crossroadsparanormal.com and uh we thank you so much for joining us here on a saturday night and uh, we hope to talk to you in the future about what exactly you find from all of this Thank you very much for having me. All right. And uh, take care. We will talk to you soon. We are coming up on a la- our last break here of the program. Then on the other side, we will talk to Regan Vaknitz of Apart. We will talk to her about a survey she has on her MySpace as well so that we can find out a little bit more about what gets people interested in the paranormal. So stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast. Historic monster, the Japanese called Godzilla, just walked out of Tokyo 
Bay. He's as tall as a 30-story building. Go, go, Godzilla! The sounds of the Blue Oyster Cult. They will be here in the Whaling City tomorrow night, playing at the uh, the Portuguese Feast downtown. You don't want to miss it. BOC in New Bedford? That's crazy. So uh, things are going well for them. Well, hey, come on now. <laughs> the, uh, la- the last year they had, uh, who was it, Marshall Tucker Band was here one year, and, and uh, I forget who else they have playing this year, but I mean, they, they draw some pretty good acts, and, and Blue Oyster Cult is a... Friend of a friend of Spooky South Coast. Uh, They're also friends of mine. I did sound work for them when uh, we did the Night of Healing concert. You're friends with all kinds of people, though. True. We we don't want to drop names, but he is a friend of Blue Oyster Cult. So, you know, if they wanted to call in tonight, I don't know if they're in the city already, you know. So, uh, but we have a few minutes left here. We are going to talk with uh, Regan Vaknitz of Apart uh, out of Washington. And she has a MySpace as well. It's myspace.com slash apartofwashington. And she sent out a bulletin this week to all of the people that are signed up to her MySpace uh, asking about what got them interested in the paranormal. Uh, Regan, what was your uh, inspiration for putting out this little survey? It started as a discussion with some other paranormal investigators about why they got into paranormal investigating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's such vast theories and, and ideas of why you go into investigating. And I sat back and started pondering it, and I realized, you know, this, this actually could be a pretty good research article. And uh, I'm just going to throw the questions out there real quick for everybody. Uh, first question, what kind of work do you do currently? Or if you're not currently working, what type of job did you work at one time? Uh, have you ever had or currently had first-hand experience with being a peer mediator, youth counselor, youth pastor, or have you ever volunteered, adopted, or foster cared? Uh, what got you interested into paranormal investigating, science, personal, etc.? And has there been any change since your original reason why? And, uh, of course, you can post these answers up on myspace.com slash a part of Washington, or you can email her, Regan, R-E-G-A-N at a part of WA.com. So when you compile all these, is there a theory that you're trying to present? Yeah, I have a theory that um, there's a lot of people that say that they go into it for primarily the scientific side of things. They have Mm -hmm. a mathematical formula to figure out why these anomalies are happening. And then there's also the, you know, drastic other side of it where people have personal experiences or they've had a loved one die and they have more of an emotional draw. Mm-hmm. And, and from what I'm noticing from those who have actually answered so far, and I've had about 35 people that have answered, that a lot of people have the same end goal and, and it becomes more of the sociological counseling side of things because you're dealing with distraught families who are upset about some of the things that are going on in their house and even to go in primarily in the beginning with an analytical side of things, the end draw is the social audit. I think uh, having to work with uh, youth as well, that um, I, I think they give up very subtle signs when mm-hmm. they need help, and um, they, they it sometimes takes a lot to draw them out, and those same kind of skills are very useful when you are an investigator or when you're, you're gathering information. So I think it's some kind of odd empathy thing that kind of heightens our senses and makes us better out in the field as well. Exactly. And and do you do you find that uh, there are a wide variety of different careers, different uh, 
occupations that can play various roles in paranormal investigating? I mean, it's it's one thing if you are a counselor, a peer mediator, and that helps in the interviewing process, and it helps in the, you know, just the open mindedness. But you know, there are a, a lot of other occupations that you find, uh, you know, such as Matt Moniz is a research chemist. Uh, you know, um, different people are in software. Different people are in uh, electrical engineering. Do you see a lot of diversified occupations in these responses that you've gotten? I'm actually finding that, and that was Ooh, something paranormal going on with your phone there. All right, we'll see if we can if we can get her back there. She's having some some phone issues. Uh, are you are still? You there? Yes, Regan, are you still with us? Yes, I'm here. Uh, I'm actually finding that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're losing you here. So uh, we'll try. We'll try and get back to you if your signal clears up a little bit. So yeah, I mean, uh, Chris, you talk to a lot of paranormal investigators. Do you find that these uh, different careers play into it, or is it? I I know soil researchers. There's all different people that are involved in these occupations. I think uh, kind of what she was getting uh, getting at is that some people who approach it from the very scientific uh, aspect um, are scientists or have something to do with technology in their in their normal job, and then the other people that kind of take the more uh, psychic feel to things um, end up being the people that are on a day to day basis in contact with people and not necessarily you know. Um, Scientists, uh, people that work with other people. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I find that just about it's it's more of what your job is determines how you approach the paranormal. So I find that they they do the entire spectrum of of different jobs and different types of fields. And do you think that maybe if you can get a team together that can incorporate a lot of those different occupations, it's I think in forming a team, that's the kind of thing you should look at. You know, because if uh, if you have five people and they all bring the same thing to the table, then you're really just kind of doing the same work five times. But if you have Five very, you know, specific, or very uh, diverse people that are and come from a diverse background and different careers, and approach things from a different way. Then now you're getting five different sets of eyes looking at the same problem very differently and coming to a conclusion together. That's exactly worked uh, with Ghostbusters. That's how they they did it. They had, you know, Bill Murray was the crazy guy, and then yeah, well, I mean, um, Dan Aykroyd was a scientist with. Uh, Ramis, yeah. and then there was the other guy they just hired. I mean, do you think that as being somebody from a skeptical point of view, if if you were going to have people of different expert opinions on a panel, uh, part of a group, would that give it a little bit more credence to say, you know, instead of just having people saying, uh-huh. I watched on Ghost Hunters when they did this, so I did this myself? Well, it, I think having different approaches would probably help if you had people coming at it from different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have more weight and more more validity if they came to the same end result doing their work apart though because if in, in a group environment you you know you might get you might get skewed to kind of to one you know one finding led by you know maybe one point of view as opposed to five different points of views mm-hmm. and a lot of these groups, uh, TAPS is one of them and Capers for sure is one of them, they might not be the most vocal members of the group. They might not be the most out there members of the group, but they do have skeptics on board. Uh, Capers has, I believe, two skeptics. And, and what they do is they just offer the, the questions. And I think as they question the evidence and the findings of the different groups, it sort of bores into the heads of the other investigators. You know, gee, what's John going to say if I bring this back to him? And then they start asking those questions around the field, and it just helps evolve that person as an investigator, no matter what they believe. As a writer, they call it uh, 
creating your own editor. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So and uh, so that's pretty much you know our thoughts and theories on on the ethics in reporting the paranormal. We've always tried to keep a balanced viewpoint. It may not always be. We may not always present both sides of the argument, but we always welcome both sides of the argument. And if there's ever anything that you feel the need to call us on, you know, our phone numbers are out there. They're on our website. You can get in touch with us all week long. We're very receptive to email communication, MySpace communication, however it is that you want to get a hold of us. We're we're pretty much uh, always in contact with people, and we're not afraid. If you want to call us on something, such as with that video footage or anything that we say, if if you want to question what it is that we've put out there. Please, that's the only way that we can get better as interviewers. It's the only way that we can evolve as a, as a radio program. And it's the only way that we can guarantee that we're giving you, the listener, what it is that you want to hear when it comes to talking about the paranormal. Now, next week, we will take a different approach to some of the things that we've talked about. We're going to talk to author Rick Hayes of lifesgift.com, if you want to check out his website. He's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, about his new book, Stepping Stones, which is kind of like a, I don't want to say self-help, but it's a self-evaluation guide uh, to making your life better. And in addition, he discusses a lot of aspects of the paranormal. He also wrote a book previous to this called You're Not Crazy, You Have a Ghost, where uh, he describes you know some of the different instances that people think and it's like you know it's okay to accept the fact that the paranormal is out there uh, and he takes a bit of a religious approach we will talk to rick about that next week also joining us next week will be gary gomes of crystal expectations you've heard their ads here on spooky south coast they're going to talk to a little bit, talk to us a little bit about the services they offer down there uh, including some of the tarot readings they do uh, some of the other the reiki that they offer and just a different uh, services that Crystal Expectations can offer to you, as well as their products. Now, if you want to check them out, they're down on Brock Avenue in the south end of New Bedford. Stop in, tell them that you heard about them on Spooky South Coast, and uh, and let them know that you heard them on the show. And, of course, any questions that you have for them, please save up, because we'll have them in next week. So, for the silent assassin, Matt Costa, for the science advisor, Matt Moniz, for Christopher Balzano of MassCrossroads.com, the Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads website, and for Pat McCurtain, our, our new resident skeptic. Pat, you think you're going to come back with us here? Sure. Yeah, it was a blast having you. We welcome the opposing viewpoint, as always, and uh, we thank you for joining us. Everybody out there, we want you all to stay spooktacular. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow.